Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz trumpeter Bijan Watson. This cat grew up in the Boston area and has lately been getting some recognition from his time in the award-winning film La La Land. He's been at this jazz gig for some time and got his formal training at the New England Conservatory of Music and the University of Southern California. He was a part of the Disney All-American College Band and has performed with the likes of Michael Buble, Harry Connick Jr., Diana Krall, Michael Jackson, Arturo Sandoval, John Pizzarelli, Diane Reeves, and so many others, and he has appeared on American Idol, The Tonight Show with Leno, and Dancing with the Stars. He is a very busy and talented musician with much to talk about. So get to know him and dig this interview, my friends. Dijon, thank you for taking some time out today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. So I'm going to go ahead and dive in here. I think it goes without saying that you've been extraordinarily busy for very obvious reasons lately. So... I'm going to start things off with asking you, what has been going on with you lately? I just returned from uh, performing at the Grammy weekend at the Grammy uh, after party, official after party, with the uh, John DeVersa Progressive Big Band. Uh, Actually, the band was nominated for a Grammy in the large jazz ensemble category. So uh, we played at the, uh, and I performed on that, that album, so I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, it was uh, called Kaleidoscope Eyes, the music of the Beatles. So we played at the after party. We did not win, <laughs> but it's still, a treat to, it's still a treat to be nominated. And, uh, then I stepped back to Boston, and I'm heading to the uh, Lionel Hampton Jazz Festival in Idaho next weekend. Going to be playing there as a guest artist and uh, clinician, and and head to Newport Beach to play with Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra at the Newport Beach Jazz Party and uh, do some clinics and master classes while I'm down in Orange County, California. So that's the short-term <laughs> thing, stuff that's going on. So. so talk to me about your life. Where were you born and raised? I was born in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, went to uh, lived in, grew up in a suburb of uh, Sharon, Massachusetts, which is about a half hour outside of Boston. So I grew up and went to high school there. During that time, I went to the attended the New England Conservatory uh, Extension Division, uh, their uh, their preparatory school there. So that was great. That was in my middle school and high school years uh, before I came out to California to go to USC. You've been classically trained since you were eight years old. So yep. mm-hmm. how did you get into music? And has it always been just a, a fit for you? Does music always made sense? Yeah, you know, my grandfather. Uh, but Chester King was a uh, professional uh, bassist, and he played tuba uh, as well. And he was a uh, actually worked in the Quincy shipyards. He was a master welder and a jewelry craftsman and a musician. So a lot of my musical uh, genetics come from from him. <laughs> and uh, so it was pretty much encouraged in in my household to to play the trumpet. Or oh, excuse me, to be a musician. I actually wanted to play drums was my instrument I really wanted to play. But uh, my parents kind of uh, vetoed that, and uh, trumpet was my second trip. So I had a great uh, elementary school program in, in, uh, and, uh, in Sharon, Massachusetts, and uh, Mr. Baker was my elementary school teacher and got me going. That um, pretty much... Uh, paved the way for me to get involved in the, in the music uh, scene here in Boston. 
So what about albums when you were growing up? What jazz albums did you listen to that really kind of got your brain swirling around the jazz world? Well, you know, my, my parents were huge fans of uh, the Jazz Crusaders, uh, a lot of Joe Sample, Hubert Laws, a lot of the soul and R&B at the time, a lot of War and um, the Marvin Gaye, you know, Bill Withers, had a lot of that playing in the house. Uh, and one of my main influences, trumpet-wise, uh, was Doc Severinsen, seeing him on the Tonight Show band, playing out in front of that group, and that was really inspiring me to want to play the trumpet. That was a big part of why I uh, wanted to play the trumpet as well. So. Let me ask you this. What kind of hand did you have? Talk to me about La La Land. What kind of hand did you have in that film? So basically it was really a sidelining gig, meaning that they hired, you know, all the musicians on stage you see are, are really musicians. They're not actors. <laughs> We're musicians <laughs> first and actors second. The soundtrack was played actually by uh, top musicians in town, colleagues I've worked with before, Wayne Bergeron on trumpet, Peter Erskine on uh, drums, uh, Andy Martin on trombone. What was interesting about that is the fact that we, the reason why it ended up being so prominent in the film, I think, and just a testament to the guys, and we transcribed all of the, the solos and stuff that were taken in on, on the soundtrack, and we're playing right along with them. So it's really authentically, we're playing exactly what's being, <laughs> what's being, uh, you know, played in the soundtrack, which doesn't really happen too many times in, in movie music. Uh, because a lot of times they'll hire actors to play, you know, a musician. So it's, that's what made it so realistic. Kind of funny, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you you had kind of touched on, you went to the University of Southern California, then you went to the New England Conservatory. What did you learn about music in a formal environment? I mean, the reality is, is that you do need a solid foundation, solid classical foundation to be able to uh, just have uh, dexterity on the instrument to be able to perform well. What's interesting is, is the, uh, after all that formal teaching, which you know you learn a lot of the protocol of how to perform in an ensemble, how to handle preparation for stagecraft, and so on and so forth. So much of what you don't learn in school, you learn by sitting next to your colleagues and luminaries and, and mentors that uh, really teach you stuff that they don't teach in school that help to prolong your your career and uh, take it to another level. Uh, some guys that, were, that helped me with that were Byron Stripling, uh, who is now leading the Cleveland uh, Jazz Orchestra, or excuse me, Columbus Jazz Orchestra. Snooky Young, who was uh, lead trumpet in Basie Band, Duke uh, Ellington's band, uh, Thad Jones, Mel Lewis, played on Tonight Show for several years in Tonight Show Band. I had the pleasure of uh, being able to sit next to him and learn a lot from him uh, as lead trumpet in the Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra. So uh, that's where I got most of my teaching that got me <laughs> to be able to perform on a high level as a, as a career moving forward. And then you were a part of the Disney All-American College Band. That had to be a great experience for you as well. Yeah, I mean, um, so I, I attended, yeah, I attended New England Conservatory while I was still, you know, uh, finishing up high school. And then uh, went out to California to go to USC, uh, where I minored in music and majored in computer engineering. While I was there, that's when I auditioned for the All-American College Band. And in 1994, I was in it playing uh, at Disneyland. And 95 was uh, where they had a Disney, All Disney Grammy 
All-American College Jazz Band. Now, that was an amazing experience as well because that was at the Epcot Center in Florida. And for 14 weeks, we had a different guest artist every week So we, that we backed up. So we had a, we played with Arturo Sandoval that summer, Rosemary Clooney, um, Diane Reeves, Eartha Kitt, Jack Jones, uh, Joe Sample. I mean, the, the list went on and on of all these amazing jazz, you know, luminaries that we got a chance to back up and spend a good deal of time asking questions about their experiences and playing their actual charts off their albums that were out at that time. So it was, that was pretty um, pivotal in, in my development as well, really wanting to pursue being a professional trumpet player on a full-time scale. You know, the thing about jazz is, as we very well know, it's it's not an easy business to get into and make big time, <laughs> make your name big. But what you, you know, but what you've ended up doing with your career is you've worked with studios like Paramount and Warner Brothers and Disney. Does that give you kind of a, a, a an extra leg up on things to get your your music out to more people? Do you feel, do you think that's a part of what your career fabric is? I mean, I think the, the the big part of that, of what I always tell my students as well, is that you really have to – jazz, of course, is a big component of everything I do. And jazz, uh, as an art form, has allowed me to kind of uh, to create my own voice. Uh, and that's why people would hire me for specific things is because I have my own voice in that, in that arena. Of course, I do a lot of pop and Latin and all different styles, but – along with my classical training and then being able to play in so much jazz over the years, uh, you know, you, you develop your own character, and that's what people hire you for certain in certain situations. So, for example, when I played on Secret Life of Pets soundtrack, you know, that was a jazz, it was a big band with strings. So the contractor specifically, you know, looked for musicians that were able to have that skill set where they could kind of cross genres and still have, a classical sensibility playing this jazz score. You know, Alexander Desplat was who who won an Academy Award for several movie scores. He's the person who wrote the music for that, and you know, he was a classically trained musician that wrote a jazz score. So it required those musicians to be able to cross uh, genres and be able to you know understand uh, the language that he was trying, what he what he wanted to uh, have played musically. The one thing too that great about your career it's very diversified is that you you know play with the clayton hamilton jazz orchestra uh you had mentioned john diversa there's a lot of groups gerald wilson's jazz uh, orchestra there's a lot of people that you play with what do you get from being in each of those outfits how does each of those distinct jazz outfits contribute to you as a whole musician uh well it's very inspiring seeing each one of the the, the where i'm blessed is that i get to play in groups that really are original with their uh, compositions, and they're completely different in terms of the way their approach. I mean, John Diverse's group is very contemporary, progressive. John Beasley's Monkestra, which we also got nominated for a Grammy this year in the same category, um, it's definitely a tribute to Monk's music, and that's another contemporary approach, completely different than John's approach to music. And then John Clayton's you know, is a true, like, comes from the roots of Bathy and Thad Jones, Mel Lewis, and is truly a swing. So to see each of those uh, band leaders 
and see that what they create inspires me to create music. And any anytime you listen to more music, it just helps influence you and, and uh, to want to create that much more. So I think that's what I take away from it, really. And then there's another artist. We're building a show called The Real La La Land, uh, where it's going to feature members that were in the movie uh, doing stuff from the American Songbook, original arrangements of that, and that's going to be with Dave Damiani. And we're doing a few shows in Las Vegas and Atlantic City and doing a summer residency in uh, Atlantic City in July, so we're excited about that as well. So uh, kind of ins- all those experiences just really inspire you to just keep moving and creating and putting the music out there. And then another component of you is you've been with orchestras and symphonies, the Boston Pops, the L.A. Mm-hmm. Opera, San Diego Symphony. Those have to be different blends of of music for you, but they have to help you grow more, don't they? Well, I mean, you know, growing up in Boston was truly a classical, uh, you know, class, a, a, a environment that appreciates a great deal of classical music. I and mean, the Boston Symphony is the most well-endowed, you know, symphony in the world. Um, and, uh, you know, every chair in that orchestra is completely endowed for perpetuity. So they don't have any type of problems with uh, salaries or anything like that. Um, so coming from that, of course, you come seriously classically trained. You really learn your instrument. And you know, that's why I get calls a lot of times, like when I did stuff with the Cincinnati Symphony with Seth MacFarlane or, uh, Cincinnati Pop, excuse me, um, or, you know, when I was on tour with Natalie Cole and we were doing symphony gigs, you have to have that, once again, that classical sensibility to be able to communicate with the people in the orchestra that are, you know, maybe playing a style of music that they don't normally uh, play on a regular basis. So it just helps to be able to uh, have your foot in both worlds and understand uh, that at the end of the day, it's still music and it's just a matter of uh, kind of learning a different approach and articulation and, and uh, language to be able to communicate to get the, the best music across to the people. So. Yeah, and speaking of approach, you're also an educator and clinician. What is your philosophy? What do you want to give to your students? The biggest thing you can do as a musician, if you really want to do this as a career, is you can't be closed-minded to, uh, you have to be very open-minded to all the music around you. I'm still learning things <laughs> about new musicians and new music um, every day. I just came across this Brazilian artist, uh, Sheyu Jorge, or so I can't even pronounce his name. I gotta learn how to pronounce his name. But it's kind of this Afro-Brazilian music. This, uh, this guy's been doing it for years, and it's just uh, the most amazing hybrid of kind of uh, R&B and Brazilian music. And so uh, I think that that's the biggest thing is you really need to be open to to listening to different styles of music and don't pigeonhole yourself. Don't get caught into a corner. Don't, uh, even, even as a jazz uh, lover, uh, you know, be careful not to become like the jazz police and say, oh, that's not jazz, you know, <laughs> because it's maybe not... Uh, uh, a bebop head or, you know, or Charlie Parker, like, or Coltrane or whatever, you know. You have to be open to getting out of your comfort zone and learning different styles of music and uh, uh, and writing and performing them and, and 
come from an artist perspective, even if you don't necessarily put your own group together and perform outside, you still have to have an understanding of that. So you can appreciate that even more. And I think uh, the more people that appreciate different styles of music, the bigger audiences we're going to have. I think we've seen a surge in people wanting to see live music, see and hear live music, which is really exciting. Um, and there are more venues uh, happening every, uh, opening every day for live music, and I think it's going to be exciting time for live musicians um, moving forward here in the next few years. So when you look back on your career up to this point, you've been very busy in a lot of different projects. How do you feel about your career? Do you feel it's going good? Yeah, I feel very, very fortunate and very blessed. I mean, when you're a freelance musician or when you're, you, you know, you're really putting, you're, you have to hustle all the time, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> uh, I am, I am fortunate to have contractors and stuff that will hire me for certain projects uh, on a regular basis, and and, and that's great. Um, and I'm very blessed to have built up that type of reputation to be called for those things. But <clears throat> you know, I think uh, I, I'm very pleased with with the trajectory that my uh, my career is is going, and and I think that um, once again, adapting and taking advantage of different opportunities, this La La Land experience uh, has uh, allowed an opportunity to create a totally different show with more musicians and people that were involved and create a different thing. And, and once again, it's just about getting the music out there to people. Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a great. It's been great, and uh, looking forward to more things uh, coming up, especially this new La La Land show we're putting together. So, or calling it the real La La Land. So, right on. Uh, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. So you've dedicated your life to the jazz craft. So let me ask you this: Why do you love jazz? Well, I really feel it's it's the apex of self-expression. You can start with a foundation, play ahead, and then you can improvise off that head in infinite amount of possibilities what is better than that i mean what <laughs> you know and and you can the, the beauty of jazz is you can you can infuse so many other styles whether i mean remember hubert laws when he had that uh romeo and juliet album which was he took the music of romeo and juliet and put it in the jazz style i don't know if you're hip to that yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that was amazing. I mean, that was one of the, an influential thing for me, being classically trained at that time and then hearing this jazz flutist playing this amazing classical repertoire in a jazz style, knowing that that could be, you know, done is, is amazingly inspirational. So I think that's what's great about jazz is that the the possibilities are endless and infinite in terms of how you can infuse them, how you can uh, arrange it, how you can approach it, the instrumentation, the strings with a big band, with a big band with strings. But, you know, it's just, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing the things you can do with that. So this allows, like I said, the, it's, the, uh, it's really the apex of, of creative expression. So uh, that's why I love it so much. So speaking of Hubert Laws and other musicians you kind of brought up, if you could get into a time machine and go back in time and see anybody live, who would you like to go back and see and experience live? Oh, man, that's a great question. Probably Miles Davis. I never saw him live. You know, I've mean, seen videos. Yeah. Um, but I never went to a live concert, which, as we know, a live performance, the energy is completely different. Even if you've watched a recording of a live performance, 
it's still completely different being in the room while that person is playing. Um, I think it would have been um, amazing to see him at work uh, because he's, you know, I, he's definitely a pioneer in that regard, um, putting all those different styles of music um, under the jazz umbrella and just making music, you know, it wasn't necessary. In fact, he, he didn't like you to call it jazz. He was just making music and it just happened yeah. to have some jazz influence to it. So Miles Davis would be one, but even if you were, if I were to go even further back, um, I would have liked to, hmm, wow. It would have been interesting to see Louis Armstrong live. Cause I understand yeah. he was an amazing showman. And, uh, at the time, I mean, and he broke down racial barriers. I mean, I can't even imagine playing at that level and still having to deal with, you know, the racial intolerance of that time. Uh, that's talk about amazing strength, and I mean, I can't even imagine that. It, it's just, a, you know, so I would have liked to have seen him live. Would have been excellent. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this: Is someone that's played live quite a bit and you know been on a lot of recordings? What's one of the nicest things that a fan has ever said to you about your work? Wow, um, that it inspired them to go listen to other music. Um, you know, I had uh, I'd played with Natalie Cole and uh, toured with her for uh, the last five years before she passed away. And um, we would always do an encore at the end where she and I would trade uh, trade force. <laughs> she was that, and I, yeah, it was a pretty amazing experience. Yeah. And uh, to have a uh, you know audience a member come up to me and say you know I I, I this makes me want to go listen to even more trumpet just, they were like I've never heard this music before tonight and now I want to go hear some more so um, that's exciting because that's what it's about you know yeah um, absolutely uh, other than other than uh, you know, other former instrumentalists would come up to me and say, you know, you made me want to go pick up and play my instrument again, whether it's trumpet or saxophone. You just look like you're having such a great time up there. I want to play. I, I want to get back to that joy that I, I don't have anymore as an accountant or, <laughs> or, as a, or you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's that's always good to hear from an audience member after a show. Mm -hmm. And you're riding a pretty big wave right now, especially with such a critically acclaimed film and all of these jazz outfits you're in. So if we talk 10 years from now and I ask you what's going on, where do you want to see your career go? What do you want to see transpire, say, in 10 to 20 years from now? Well, I look forward to uh, putting more of my own music out there. I mean, I do have a few groups, the Latin Jazz Syndicate and uh, a couple other groups, the Wow Factor that, that I put together where showcasing some of my own things, but uh, I'm looking forward to uh, recording a big band album this year with my, my big band, the Synergy Jazz Orchestra, and um, just more of my own material, the, you know, stuff that, that I've written that I, uh, that I haven't recorded yet, and uh, so I'm hoping that uh, 10 years from now, maybe you'll, uh, you'll hear a, a few Grammy-nominated albums that I, of my... <laughs> Of my yeah. groups, or maybe I would have even won a Grammy. Yeah. Uh, not that that's a validation of, of uh, my music, but it would be nice to be recognized in that regard and uh, just strive to put the best music out there that I can 
that is my own music, that is my own art. So it's great to be a sideman on these things and contribute to these award-winning, uh, acclaimed uh, situations, but it would be nice to, uh, I'm looking forward to putting my own music out there and, and uh, sharing it with everybody. So let me ask you this. This is my final question. It's all going to come down to this. And everyone has an interpretation or a version of who you are, your family, your friends, business associates, the fans and the crowd. But when you wake up and you face the world, who do you think you are? Uh, I think I'm a person that is real positive about what he likes to do. I mean, I, I truly enjoy playing and teaching and sharing music with people. I think... As an artist, too many times, especially in this country, um, it's not thought of as a viable career choice. Uh, you know, when I go to Europe and other countries, you know, we're treated, art is definitely uh, much more appreciated. I really feel as though I'm fortunate and blessed to be able to do this to as a career and share this. And, you know, even if you don't become a professional musician, I always tell my students, it's the fact that you, you want to appreciate the art. And the more people that appreciate the art, the bigger audiences we're going to have, the more tolerance we're going to have for different things. I, I think it encompasses a lot more than people realize. We can all come together. You can have different races and creeds and religions come together to see a same concert of a musician, of one musician. You know, I, I can't imagine, it doesn't matter if you go into a Michael Jackson concert, <laughs> didn't matter whether you were black, brown, green, purple, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, Christian. <laughs> Everyone yeah. came together because of the music. Yeah. So I really feel uh, kind of like an ambassador of the music. And it's important for me as a professional musician to have a positive attitude, share the positive things about being a, a professional musician. Yeah, of course, it could be hard work. Everything requires hard work at some point. To be able to play music for a living, I really don't have much to complain about. Um, and so I, I like, like to be able to use that as a platform to kind of educate people about and, and appreciate um, music as an art form, music as a career. That's a great way to wrap everything up. Bijan, thank you for taking some time out today and giving me your story, and thank you for the music. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you, man. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, L.A., and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Bijan for his time and all the stories and all that music. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for all things Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.